Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Passing Times. Really excited for today's guest. She grew up playing for the Ottawa Mavericks, where she went on to play for McMaster University. In her first year, she was the OUA West, West Rookie of the Year, excuse me, the U Sports All Rookie Team, and she was a first team All Star. In her second year, she was also a first team All Star, a U Sports Second Team All Canadian, and led the OUA in kills and total points, and is already representing Canada on our U21 national team. Please welcome to the show, Sully Sandara. Sully, thanks for doing this. Hi, thanks for having me. So take us from the top here before we get into all your awesome awards and stat lines you put up with Mac this year. But uh, growing up in that Canada, Ottawa area, what was your interest in sport and how did you pick volleyball to be like your main thing? Um, So I started off as a gymnast. I did that for a few years. Um, And then I grew up in a soccer family, actually. So I played soccer for a while. But um, my mom used to go to an Asian league every I think Saturday. And so me and my sisters would go watch her play and then play with the other kids. And so I was around like a lot of sports and I had a lot of like different options to choose from. But then I tried out for my volleyball team for school in grade four. And then I continued that every year until 13 U. And then I went to a Mavs tryout and then I started playing that. And then I think it just took off from there. I did track and field also. And I kind of debated between pursuing track or doing volleyball, but I think I liked the team aspect of volleyball a lot. Nice. Yeah, because I was thinking as a younger athlete, I think gymnastics does a great job with young kids making it really fun. And I feel like soccer is maybe the sport for little kids because you're not trying to like balance an object in the air, right? So it's really fun. But uh, I'm curious when you got into volleyball, other than the team aspect, uh, did you enjoy uh, like when your skills started to improve? Like was it fun right away or like was gym class or school team volleyball not that interesting in the beginning? I've always been like kind of an aggressive athlete. So in soccer, definitely got a lot of fouls and I really liked hitting. Um, That was my favorite thing. Didn't really like the passing or defense. So I found it really fun to hit in the beginning. But yeah, as like I started playing more volleyball, I think my inner gymnast and my inner perfectionist came out. So I really liked the technique of passing and the challenge just because it, it is a game of errors so yeah and one of the challenges that i think the ottawa Mavericks do a great job of doing but uh, you guys are just so far away from all the tournaments i'm curious was that ever uh frustrating for either you or your family knowing that like you're going to be in a hotel most of the tournaments you played in right yeah um actually in my grade nine year um one of my teachers came up to me and my mom and was like you are missing way too much school like you will not go far (laughs) um in university if you like keep missing everything just because we always played my age group and then a year up so we were gone for at least like two Fridays every single month and then if we came back late on like a Sunday I like would miss like the first period of school just because like it's usually like a five or six hour drive yeah yeah that, that, that's so wild it's definitely a big big challenge but i made it past and now traveling on the road for games it's kind of like a piece of cake yeah when you were in high school were you good at doing homework in the car or like when would you get your stuff done I'm a big procrastinator. I would try to do it in the car, but then I'd get a bit nauseous or I'd get like distracted by watching a movie. So I usually did it at the hotel or I would cram it like at lunch right before my class. I was not too good in my first years of high school. So playing for Mavs and obviously playing uh, high school ball and kind of just growing as an athlete, when did you think university was going to be a serious option that you wanted to play at the next level? I have 
my oldest sister, who's six years older than me, she almost went D1 for soccer in the States. So I kind of saw her process um, of like recruiting, looking at schools, talking, and just like putting yourself out there as an athlete. Um, So I definitely was interested from like early on, but I also didn't know what sport. So I was kind of like debating between that. But um, I think after my first Timo experience in, I think I was in grade nine, and I made the team. Yeah, that one was, uh, I feel like it was my stepping stone of like confidence and believing in myself. But yeah. Now, I think Canadian volleyball might have a little different recruiting standard than maybe D1 uh, women's soccer does. So uh, I'm curious, like you got to follow their process a little bit, but did you ever feel like you were like late? Because I feel like D1 soccer might identify when they're in grade 10 or like 11s late, where uh, sometimes for U sports, we don't commit till we're like in grade 12, right? I think the second that I made Timo, which was my grade nine summer, I started talking to some NCAA schools. So I, I started my recruiting process like super early. Um, and I also always played up in club. So once those girls that were a year older than me were starting to talk to like some state schools, I kind of got interested in that. So I think I did start my recruiting quite early. And when you narrowed it down, were you seriously considering the NCAA? Were you considering either going to uh, RSEQ or Can West, or did you want to be in Ontario playing OUA ball? Yeah, OUA was definitely my last option. I really wanted to go away and like experience something else for school and volleyball. I was really, really into the NCAA um, when uh, up until like grade eleven, but. Um, I just like, since a lot of my friends are older and I've always played with older girls, I hear and like see a lot of different experiences there. And I don't think the that type of competitive competitiveness was meant for me, especially as an athlete. So then I started looking into Canada West and then as COVID hit, I was kind of like, oh, like it's nice to like be around my family and be close to them. And, um, yeah, so then I was debating between my top four schools. Two of them were OUA, and then the other two were Canada West. But yeah. And what stood out uh, with McMaster? Like, were you able to take a visit, or did COVID hit and you did everything, like, virtually all your meetings and kind of deciding everything that way? Um, I went on a few campus tours right before COVID. I went out to Calgary to see MRU, and then I went to a Brock one as well when I had a tournament there but um I had to do an unofficial one for McMaster I just drove up with my mom and then we just walked around I couldn't even see the coaches or anyone really so it was definitely hard in the middle of COVID because everything was through Zoom and like you couldn't get a grasp of like I had never seen Burridge until I was already committed and it was like September of school starting Wow, that, yeah. that's pretty crazy. Um, I do have to know, because COVID kind of interrupted your years. Like, did you have any trouble as an athlete, like, not going to practice regularly? Like, you get started up, then you get shut down, and maybe your club had some Zoom meetings or other activities, but it must have felt weird as, like, a 16, 17, 18-year-old and just not being allowed to play sport, right? Yeah, it was really weird. Um, luckily, I have two athletic older sisters, so we would usually just – it wasn't – usually volleyball because I'm the only volleyball player, but we'd go out to the field 
shoot and like play around with the soccer ball, which was fun. Um, and we have a few beach courts in my neighborhood. So that was easy because then I would gather like a few friends that like I would only see them and they were in my bubble. So we'd play a bit. Um, but I definitely miss like the competitiveness of the OVA, especially my year. It was a good year. So did you have any expectations when you got to Mac? Because like you said, you hadn't seen the gym yet. Uh, did you know who was on the roster? Did you expect to start and play right away? Like that whole feeling must have been a little bit off just because you didn't really know what you're stepping into, right? Well, not too many people know this, but right in June of my senior year, I had abdominal surgery. Um, so I was in bed rest from June, July, and then mid-August. And I had not done any physical activity I couldn't like lift up more than I think 20 pounds for four months so going into Mac I knew I was really out of shape I haven't touched a volleyball I had done nothing and I also didn't start actually like touching the court until October of my first year so I had no expectations to start or anything I was kind of just going there making friends because I didn't think um a starting position or maybe even like a dressing position was for me at the time, just cause like, it's one thing to be off in COVID, but I could still like, you know, do my own workouts and like stay active and be like somewhat fit. But my abdominal surgery definitely set me back. I was pretty upset going into my first year just cause I had a lot of aspirations, but yeah. And when you look back now, what made you think that you like cracked the lineup? Because if it's in October, I imagine those are league play matches. So did you feel like you had a good preseason or did somebody go down with an injury or there was just an opportunity? Like what finally clicked that you got an opportunity? Um, yeah, so I came back, I think like a week before our first preseason match and it was a huge mess. The first game I played terribly. I could not pass or do anything. My serving was off. But um, we had a few, I think actually Maddie Lethbridge, she decided to take a break from volleyball. And then later on, she said she just ended her career. Um, so there was like an opening on the left side. And surprisingly, I got back to it quite quickly. Um, so I wasn't too too bad in the beginning and our first game was Lakehead so the first night Paige Entwistle played over me and then I played after that on the second day and that game was pretty good for me I had some good offensive and defensive plays um and then we had a week off and I don't know what I was on or what but I played super super well and that was leading into our Brock game so then Tim decided to start me. I was really surprised. I got super nervous. And then that game went well. And then I think after that, they started to see the potential in my game. Yeah. Now, is there anything you can share about the, the McMaster culture? Because obviously, Coach Tim Lukes has been there a lot of years. Uh, Nathan Jansen was with the men's team, with the women's team. I think he left for Niagara College for a bit. And obviously, he's back and a very passionate and talented coach. Like, uh, obviously, there's great leadership there. But there's also, like, vets on the team who probably contributed too, right? So when you get there, and like you said, you're just trying to make friends and kind of, like, feel in the environment a little bit. Uh, was there any, maybe one person who stood out that really helped you out or just, like, the whole team? Like, what is kind of the culture there to welcome in the first years? I'd say a lot of the older girls that have had pre-existing relationships are really good at making all of us rookies feel welcomed. 
And usually there's like this weird hierarchy thing when you come into a team that has been playing for four or five years on end. Um, So I think just the shared commitment to being excellent was one of the outstanding things about the McMaster culture. Um, There's definitely this like common goal that we all have and we all push each other, we hold each other accountable which was really nice. And it's it's just a good balance between being friends off the court and then teammates on the court. And I don't know, they were just really resourceful. I'd go to my housemates. Oh yeah, I also didn't live in residence. So I lived with the girls too. But yeah, I'd go to my housemates and they'd help me with choosing my courses and then managing my time, little study tips, making sure I wore the right shirt to practice and stuff like that. But yeah, I think just the openness and the shared common goals was like the outstanding part of our culture. And once you felt comfortable, were you ever surprised by your early success? Like looking at uh, your kills per set, the volume you were getting, the digs you were getting, uh, even like block stuffs, like stand out a little bit here in your first year stat line. Like, were you comfortable with the level of the league right away because you were like a Maverick and then played Team Ontario? Or like, were, did you ever look around and be like, wow, like I'm, I'm ready for this level right away? That's a good question. I really don't know what was... Oh, actually, I feel like I'm missing a big backstory. Um, Basically, in my March of my senior year, I actually quit the MAC team before I even joined. Um, I quit for a week just because I was really unsure about... It sounds funny to say, but unsure about my future in volleyball. Um, And I didn't really know if I wanted to be a post-secondary athlete or just focus on my studies. So I kind of, when I called Tim and Nate back again, saying like, hey, maybe I do want to try this out. Um, They told me to just have fun that year and, you know, test out the waters, not put too much pressure on myself. Um, And so once I came back from my injury, and started to play and then more success came, I think I just stuck with the same mindset of having fun and not taking things too seriously. Just cause I found for me specifically, if I become too much of a perfectionist and I worry too much about the outcome, I start to overthink. And then that's when all my errors come in. So I really tried a lot of just like interventions to keep me calm and for me to still have fun. Yeah. That's, that's amazing. If you don't mind, hopefully we can just pull on that and go a little bit more examples (laughs) because uh, absolutely. I I think having fun and joy, I think there's a lot of great things there that athletes are doing, but like, let's be real here. There's matches where you've gotten over 50 attempts. Uh, The other team's probably game planning for you. You probably know that if you play well, they're going to, you're going to win. And if you don't play well, you're probably not going to win. So how do you deal with like the, maybe you don't have these expectations or you don't have these distractions, but maybe there's people on your team or the, the opponents game planning a certain way. Like how do you not deal with the noise of that? Like how does that not affect your ability to walk in the gym and have fun when like, like I said, like I'm not exaggerating. There's stat lines here where I think you're almost averaging over 40 attempts. You got 60 attempts one match. Like that's just wild. Right. So (laughs) how do you still have fun and play free when you're such a big role of your team? Um, That was definitely my biggest roadblock of this year. I remember after a few, the first few games of the season, I went to Nate 
I was almost in tears. I was like, I don't know what to do. I, I try everything, you know, I try to roll shot, tip down the line, mix up my shots. And I feel like I just can't have any success. And there's just like, I'm tired all the time because there's so many jumps. And we were a very young team this year before we had Jesse and Aaron. So it was a good balance between, you know, left and right. But this year, a lot of people didn't really, we had a new right side, Maddie, she's in her second year. She came in. So I feel like only until like mid season, people started taking her seriously as they should. She's a great right side. And once that kicked in, it got a little better because the blocks would not trap me right away. But um, definitely in the beginning, it was really tough. But I think my bond with the team helped me a lot because I'd get frustrated, come into a team huddle, but then I'd have like my best friend, Haley, the libero. She'd come, she'd be like, it's okay. Like she'd calm me down. We'd make a little joke. We had little things that we'd say to each other to get us back into like the right headspace. And if it weren't for the team, I think I would have cracked a lot more than I did this year. But those girls that like I train with every single day and we all struggle together, I think like our relationship on the court really like moved all the negatives out and reminded us why we play and why I'm here and why I have fun. That that's amazing. And was that ever explicitly talked about? Like when you're like, guys, when I'm feeling stressed, like this is what I would like, or this is what I would need from you guys. Or did that, did that happen organically just by being so close with your teammates? Um, I think it happened pretty organically. Um, I feel like I'm the type of person to be very bubbly and jokey on the court and very lighthearted. Again, that kind of stemmed from my first year, just so I could not overthink things and I feel like my team just organically knew that like if I was messing up a lot I would just come into the huddle maybe cuss it out a little bit and stuff and they'd like you know laugh along or they'd feed into my jokes and stuff like that but yeah I feel like it was just a pretty organic thing because we do a lot of like team bonding um, whether that's like planned or just like we're all hanging out and studying or celebrating after a game. And that really brought us together and allowed us to, you know, be vulnerable with each other, but then also at the same time, just, you know, not focus on somebody's struggles or flaws and just treating everybody like. Yeah. That's so, so cool to hear your process. It is interesting to hear that, uh, when you do face a little bit of pressure or stress that you you get serious and they need to calm you down i'm wondering if it ever goes the other way because i think that's maybe what some old school coaches have a problem with when they see somebody who wants to have fun and experience joy all the time is it can be viewed as like silly sometimes and i'm wondering how do you negotiate those situations where you're as dialed in and as serious and you want to be competitive and win as much as anybody does but you're you're telling jokes when you're on the court yeah that was actually one of my concerns because there are some people that ask me like oh why are you like smiling after you just like shanked a ball or <laughs> missed a serve? And I feel like if you were to watch me in practice, you'd know it's a pretty regular thing. And also my coaches, like we have a lot of one-on-one meetings and they like to understand how I work as like an athlete. And so I think everyone like in Mac volleyball knows just like who I am as a person but it could definitely be a bit like not unsettling but 
a bit odd for people who don't know me to watch me and be like, okay, why is this girl smiling after she just shanked a ball? (laughs) Yeah. Now we talked about your offensive numbers, but obviously having a big role with the reception and uh, I think you average double digit digs as well. How do you think about like layering the game? Like is obviously defense something you enjoy a part of the game. And I didn't even mention like you're blocking, like obviously you're involved in every layer of the game. So when you think about training or what you want to work on, does your mind naturally go to how am I going to score points offensively? Or do you like to focus on the, the defensive side as well? I feel like this has evolved with my career. I think in my first year, I was a pretty inexperienced attacker against a solid double block just because in the OVA, there's like a lot of different levels and we're not really taught how to block like we are at like Mac or any other OUA institution. So in my first year, my big thing was scoring and knowing when to hit hard or when to fix a ball and just like more of my efficiency. And then when I was training to go for the U21 team, I knew that, yes, I could, you know, hit a ball, I could put one away, but I really needed to focus on my defensive part of the game and my passing. Um, So I worked for like, I think two months strictly on defensive stuff. I barely hit anything. Um, And then once I made U21 and I played my first international tournament against great teams and great competition I realized and I got more confident in my defensive part of the game so now I mainly focus on my reception and defense but I still definitely work on shot making and just like more things to be more efficient and kind of like seeing the game more in front of me when I'm attacking but yeah yeah it's a good point about focusing on blocking because I I think club coaches do a great job but it's probably the one skill where like maybe we train it the least because maybe it doesn't lead to points as much as like our reception and serve game is going to be like huge for us right so what was your learning curve like in university because obviously there's going to be situations maybe uh, I don't know as as a wing player maybe the front row setter on the other team we're going to serve a certain way we want our middle to go trap their left side so you're going to take the middle in a one-on-one or you're going to alert for the middle like was that exciting for you or you're kind of like what why has nobody talked to me about this before like why am I learning this now (laughs) I we've learned about trap blocking in club but I've never understood what it was (laughs) until the middle of I think like the Waterloo game of my first year that was like a big five set game. But I remember turning to Justine Aaron and I was like, what's a trap block? And she was like, what? But um, yeah, it was definitely, since I only really worked on it in the middle of a, a high pressure game, I was definitely a bit nervous, but I think I found a love for the tactical part of the game and just recognizing that, okay, setter's back row so my eyes are on the middle but then the second that the ball's away you know I move to something else and reading like the shoulder and the elbow when someone's attacking um so that was pretty exciting because I like a big challenge and you know when you first learn a new skill especially when it's like reading and something tactical sometimes it's just like gibberish to me like I can't tell when someone's elbow is like down or up that means like you know x or y but the second that it all starts to click randomly it's like the most fulfilling feeling ever because then I just feel like smart on the court like I can see this one cue so I know what's gonna happen 
but yeah, I, I definitely like the process of learning a skill, especially like tactical stuff. Amazing. Amazing. Just to pull in one of your earlier points about uh, different shots you've developed uh, since you've been in university. Uh, I'm curious, was the need for that based on there was stuff you were doing in club that just wasn't going to work in the OUA? Or was that maybe kind of sparked from now teams are game planning from you, so you can't just hit your primary shot because there's obviously going to be a defender or a blocker there? Yeah, I definitely think it's a bit of both. In club, I was just a big... I would swing on everything. I would only tip if it was absolutely necessary. Um, but I think as I gained a bit more of a reputation respect in the OUA and people were game planning a bit more against me, I definitely was put in situations where I had less seams to hit off of. So then I had to just, like you said, figure out other resources to fix myself out of a situation. So yeah, it was definitely a bit of both. Did you find that challenging the block was maybe a big difference between club and university? Cause I feel like that's not a skill that a lot of clubs always focus on, but when you get to university and you're playing like high ball offense, like you're going to have to use the block eventually and get confident that like, if you get yeah. blocked, it's not a big deal. And the other team's going to sell you huge and you might feel embarrassed, but it's just, it's part of the game, right? Yeah, it definitely was in club. I was super scared of the block. I would avoid it at all costs. Um, but I don't know. Again, I kind of just, I feel like, I don't want to say randomly flourished because it took a lot of like conversation and realization with my coaches, but I just became a bit more fearless when I started in the, the OUA. And so I knew that swinging hard into high hands or into the outside hand of a block, I would also find success and you're right like I would get I would get like absolutely like demolished by a block and you just need to like move on and it's okay because it'll happen in a game where there's a lot of high level athletes um but yeah I think just using the block more helped me a lot and the seams and just kind of being fearless now does the fearless part come from your earlier point that you just want to have fun and you want to play with joy or are you big into maybe watching video back or journaling a little bit? Like how are you making sure that you're learning and still like accelerating new skills versus uh, I don't know, fearless can lead to reckless. Sometimes I think might be the concern with some coaches, right? So how do you find that balance of I'm fearless because I'm confident in all the things I've worked on versus like, yeah, I don't really care what happens. Um, my coach, Nate, sends me a lot of pro videos. And so I'll see a lot of things in games where pro outsides will be trying different shots in different scenarios. And so we do a lot of drills to work on our shot selection and like a lot of reading. So I think the combination of film of myself and older, more experienced players, but also the drills given to us helped me understand when I can be fearless and swing hard and try something or where I should be a bit more, I don't want to say reserved, but more just like make a smarter decision. So it was like a lot of trial and error to figure out when I can be fearless and try something new or 
if I'm put in a situation where like, okay, I should, this should be like a continuous ball, you know, like I'm unsteady in the air right now. It was definitely just like that combo of two that helped me find the right type of fearless. And when you say reading the, the tempo you guys are running your offense, do you see the block? Do you feel the block? Do you, do you see maybe any of the defenders or what is major your major read kind of like um, what your middle's running? Like what would be a, an example you could give to a younger athlete, what you're reading when you say like you start your approach? Um, the first thing I see usually is like the trajectory of the set. And by that you could usually tell if it's going to be a bit more inside, outside. So then that's my first cue to fix my approach, whether I need to take a faster inside step if the ball's too inside or if it's perfect, then I go normal. Or if it's too outside, then I have to take a larger step out. Um, Then I usually, right now I can see the block and where it is. We do a lot of looking at like specific hands. So usually Tim we'll have like a double block on us and then there's hand one, two, three, and four. And so right now I can see the block in front of me. And so if there's a seam, I'll usually go for the seam or if it's really closed, depending on our game plan against the team, I might roll or I might put it in a different spot. Um, But yeah, I can't see the defenders for the most part. So it's usually based on our game plan and just knowing who's on the other side of the net and what can cause like the most chaos for them. Awesome. And is that something you enjoy doing some of that prep or do you rely on Nathan Jantz, who seems to be a wizard with uh, data volley and all his prep that uh, here's what their defense does and here's your secondary shot. Is that something you like to take a little bit more of a role in or do the coaches kind of set you guys up for success? Um, It's definitely a big team process. Usually we have two days of film um and Nate will usually have an idea of what he wants to do um but then he'll always ask us um to get into small groups discuss with like our teammates see like okay Nate thinks we should take line but do we like agree with that or not and then we usually do a big vote and it's this whole process of we have like a little spreadsheet and we collectively come as a group to like a decision on, okay, we're going to take line on this girl, cross on this girl. We're going to do a trap in this rotation or read in this one. So it's definitely a group process of both, but typically we've been on the same um, wavelength as of recently. That's so cool to hear because with how experienced uh, Coach Tim Lukes is and with Nathan and the other assistants that I'm not even mentioning, like you guys have an awesome staff, but it's so cool that you guys have so much input as the athletes. Yeah, that's also my favorite thing about McMaster and why I decided to commit there was just their, how much they value us as people rather than athletes. Um, And I think they're great at communicating with us so that both parties are happy because sometimes like it's been like, okay, Nate wants us to take line but then we'll voice as an outsider, be like, oh, well, it's a bit hard for me to get out line. So I feel like I'd be a bit more like inconsistent. I could try and get there, but I feel like Haley can dig the line shot if I take cross. And then 
it's this sort of trust that he'll have in us and our like capabilities, which really helps, I think, our team dynamic flourish and just our cohesiveness on the team. Now, one cool experience you got to be a part of after your first year uh, is you get named to the U21 national team. What was the tryout process for that? Was that a video application? Was that an in-person tryout? Were you invited? Like, how did that all come together? Um, I was invited because I applied to the next-gen tryout through, I'm not sure what it's called, but anyways, I sent in video and had my stats up, and Carolyn O'Dwyer, the coach, for that team emailed me asking me that asked me if I wanted to come to the tryout in Edmonton. It was, I think, a 10-day tryout. Um, just because I was eligible for that as well. And so it was my first Team Canada experience. I was super excited. It was a lot of fun. I was a bit shy going into it. Um, but it didn't take too long for me to come out of my shell and make a bunch of friends. And I still talk to them to this day. It was a great experience. It was definitely tiring with two practices a day. And we had to take a train from the residence to the facility. So it was a lot of going back and forth on our feet, not having too much time to rest and trying to learn a new system that I've never played before. And I was with a bunch of National Excellence Program girls. So it was all like they all knew everything. I was definitely very anxious in the beginning and I texted Nate that like, oh my God, I don't know what I'm doing. Like I'm not playing too well. But overall, it was a huge learning experience for me and I really value my time there. Now, when you're tested in a new environment like that and it is a national team tryout, and I'm sure we could build this up into something that it's bigger than it actually is, but did you find that you could still play with joy? Because you, you found that mindset and that playset that you wanted to have. So when you're in a new environment, is it, is it okay to find that? Or did you feel like reserved maybe that first or second session? Yeah, definitely. I was super reserved for the first two sessions of day one. Um, I didn't really know anybody and there were already a bunch of pre-existing friendships there. So I kind of felt a bit not out of place because the girls were super welcoming and talkative with me, but I just, uh, there was just a lot of new things in the environment. So pretty nervous about that. But once we started to create bonds off the court, day two and so on became a lot easier. And with the the language, how do you get uh, comfortable with that? Because like you said, it is the same that uh, Coach Shannon wanted uh, Carolyn to run. And with the NEP girls, they knew it. But as an outsider, like even something as different as like what we're calling the fast set to the left side could be a totally different language, right? Yeah. Luckily, we had a information um, session right before the first um, practice. And so we went through every set and the the call that goes with it and when we would do it in like a certain situation. So there wasn't too much of a language barrier on the court of like what I should say in this situation. Um, but yeah. Now I'm, I think I just found the roster actually of who was at the tryout. Uh, obviously, like you said, you made fast friends, but was it a little bit of a weird feeling? I think you were the only OUA athlete. So you maybe recognized recognize some people from team Ontario or club, but there was nobody you were across the net from that season, right? Yeah, I definitely went in only knew, knowing a few of the defensive girls. And besides that, I had never actually spoken to them in person before. Maybe a little high here and there. So I was 
extremely timid, which is very uncharacteristic of me. I am curious, uh, as the tryout progressed and there's so many talented outside hitters there, did you have a sense you were going to make the squad? Were you on like pins and needles right till the very end? Like what was the, the vibe as you went through? I think you mentioned it was a 10 day tryout. So at, at any point yeah. did it kind of click where you're kind of like, yeah, I'm, I'm in on this thing. I'm going to make the squad. I, I knew I had a pretty good tryout and that I left it all on the court and there wasn't too much more that I could do. I, didn't know the coaches or this, I guess like the program's goal too well. So I thought that either I make it or not, like I gave it my all and I was proud of myself, but uh, I don't know. It really depended on what the coaches wanted because I am a pretty undersized attacker, but I, at the trial and the tournament I did play well defensively and offensively and I kept up with a lot of girls who were 6'3 and massive compared to me but um I think I was pretty unsure until the meeting where they told me that I made it awesome awesome and what was the feeling when you get to dress and you get to put on the jersey because just by doing this podcast it's great to hear people like uh marquise who's a three-time olympian and he'll say oh they people want to calm it down and they want to say you know playing for the national team it's not a big deal for him at the olympics oh it's the same teams it's the same sport it's the same tournament or whatever he goes that's a bunch of baloney it's a big deal and there's going to be pressure and you need to like face it or it's going to eat you up right so when you get a chance to actually go to the tournament there's other international teams there you get a jersey like what were some of those first thoughts it was definitely a dream come true. I've always wanted to, ever since I started getting serious about volleyball, I've always wanted to play for the national team in any way and contribute at that high of a level. So I was definitely extremely excited just to get the practice shirt at the tryout. And then the second that I got my jersey, I was <laughs> jumping around my res room. I was sending videos to my family of everything that I got. And I did a try on haul for my friends. And um, our first game in Mexico, I remember putting on the jersey and listening to the anthem with the team. It was, I almost cried. It was so surreal. I was so excited. But um, it's definitely just a it feels like an out-of-body experience because it's like something you've worked so hard for there's so many tears and emotions that go along this process and then for me to accomplish my first step to my long-term goal was just like I don't know it was insane and obviously you're coming from a program like Mac and your game prep and your game plan was very strong, but at a tournament like this, it's probably a little bit unknown where coaches are collecting video as the tournament progresses, but I'm curious, uh, it looked like your pool was Argentina, uh, the United States, and then Costa Rica. How are you preparing for these high level teams or is it just like, as we go, we're just learning on the fly? I remember our first one against Argentina, we had no prior films to them besides that year's world championships for the U18 team. So Carolyn and Natasha kind of um, made up a roster that they thought would be there. And when the actual roster came out, I think only a few of them were there. So we kind of went into it pretty blind, not knowing what exactly we're going to do. We had like an option A and an option B, depending who was on the court. But we ended up needing an option C because it was like 
a, not a completely different team than we expected, but there were definitely a lot of factors that kind of threw off our game plan at first. And then it was a bit easier when we played the U.S., just because a lot of them were in D1, so we had footage of them playing, and a lot of them, and our guess of the roster was pretty accurate. Um, the challenge with the U.S. was that volleyball in the States is insane. It's super fast. They're all tall and athletic and strong women. So our biggest challenge wasn't necessarily the game plan, but I think it was a, not having the like nerves playing against all these big names that we know because we're all in North America and a lot of us Canadians watch NCAA volleyball and just kind of playing our game and not like crawling back because we get nervous or anything. And I think we did a really good job. Although we lost in three, I remember we were all super happy that game because we left it on the court. Yeah, what do you do in those moments when, like you said, the game is fast. They're, they're all athletic uh, athletes. Like uh, the serving must have been a little bit different maybe than what you've seen in either club or the OUA. Yeah. So how do you not panic and find a way to like battle and compete and stay invested versus, like you said, just going into a shell? This one I will have to give to my teammates. Um, there was Maddie Saris and Amoni Bush. Um, they both played their first years in the NCAA at Washington and Indiana. So they had played against some of the girls across the net and had a little bit of a a friendly rivalry. So we kind of, as a team, built off that energy that they brought because they wanted to win. They wanted to, I feel like Canada beating the States in volleyball, especially at the U21 games, was kind of like a big thing we wanted to do. So we had a lot of fun, free, and competitive energy. So it was definitely me feeding off of Maddie and Imani. Um, And I think the fact that, you know, I was hitting against someone who was 6'5", and they would definitely, like, block the crap out of me. Um, Just having all of my teammates come in and be like, it's okay, Sally, like, you got the next one. It was just, like, our cohesiveness, that game. And for the rest of the tournament, that was definitely, like tournament changing game even though the outcome was not what we wanted at all how we fought as a team kind of gave us a lot more confidence together and chemistry but yeah it was definitely just our collective goal you have a big rookie year like uh, i mean you're on the u sports all rookie team you win the oua rookie of the year you have national team experience so going into that second year i know you mentioned that jesse wasn't returning so the offense was going to change like did you feel again any distraction or any pressure that you're kind of like oh i'm a national team player now i need to perform extra even though you're only going into your second year right yeah definitely you got that spot on i was extremely as nervous as I was, I was actually very excited for the challenge. And I had a lot of confidence coming into this season just because of the experience that I gained. Um, but I was definitely nervous every time I played a game. And even the first few practices with the whole team, just because it sounds crazy because now it's like I'm so comfortable in the environment. Um, but even with the rookies coming in and them knowing that like, oh, Sally was the rookie of the year and she played for the junior national team. I felt so much pressure to be 
perfect all the time, but I had a lot of talks with uh, Tim and Nate, and I also joined the leadership team for this past season. And um, we worked a lot about vulnerability and being comfortable with making mistakes. So as the season progressed and I was on the leadership team and I was talking with my coaches more, I became more comfortable with making errors and understanding that just because I may play one bad game doesn't mean everyone's going to be like, why was she the rookie of the year? Like, why did Team Canada choose her? So it was definitely a long and hard process to put my ego aside and just worry about the game in the moment and not what people will think of me or how an outcome or performance will impact my perception from other people. And I'm glad that I fought through the the toughness because it's made the game a lot easier to be free now. Amazing. Amazing. But I think as athletes and and as somebody who coaches, I think you explain calmly and everybody buys into what a growth mindset is and everybody sees the value, but high performers like yourself, you don't like to be bad at something. So how did you finally wrap your head around making errors? Because like you said, you have this, this star studded resume and maybe like you're, you're supposed to do these things because you're such an experienced, confident player that like errors are okay. Or that it is part of learning. Like, would you honestly give yourself like a few weeks to learn a skill? Would you give yourself a week? Like, would you give yourself to the end of practice? Like how how are you like forgiving, but still being a high performer? That's a good question. I think it definitely depended on the skill at hand. There were some skills that took me, I didn't even get it in the season. I'm still working on it to this day. And there were others that came very fast, but um, I think definitely my self-reflection and the interventions that I kind of picked up along my career so far of just being present and understanding what it takes to grow as an athlete, especially the further you go in volleyball, the harder you have to work just to get a tiny little fraction of improvement. Um, so I, I don't know. It's something that I've had to build with Nate and Tim a lot. And I will still have moments of when I, will be really, really frustrated. I'll go to their office and I'll ask for film. I'll kind of subtly overthink and freak out. And they'll be like, Sally, like, this is a super hard skill. It's going to take so long. It's okay. And I think just my relationship with the coaches and my team, they've all helped me stay grounded and not overthink and be anxious too much. Nice. Yeah, I think the the consistency there is really important. And just looking at the this past season, how it uh, kind of progressed. Man, the the OUA women's division was just wild this year. Where I think you split with Waterloo, split with Western, split with Brock. Like it seems like there was a lot of great teams, but you guys battled. I think you took down Queens twice in five, and they were obviously a great team. So yeah. was it just? tough or was it exciting looking at at the schedule saying who you're going to play this week because uh there wasn't very many easy matches this year no and Nate was spot on this year he sat us down at the beginning of the season he was like it doesn't matter what reputation a school has whether they're notoriously amazing 
or notoriously a bit rocky. Every game is going to be a grind and you can't sleep on any team at all. And it was a challenge coming out of first year because we played the same teams over and over, like the West played only the West and we never crossed over. Um, So it was really just a grind. And there was a lot of times in between games where someone would have to sit us down and be like, okay, we really need to get it together. We have to grind it out, like leave it all on the court now. We can sleep it off tomorrow and recover. But um, it was definitely a challenge for our young team, I will say. And as everything kind of progressed, do you guys like to talk about external goals? Like is Mac about, you know, we're going to win the OUA, we're going to go to nationals, or are you all about like, let's win this weekend, let's host a home playoff game? Like, was there anything external when you guys get together? Or like Nate said, we can't take anybody easy, so let's just like play the game in front of us. There's definitely the goal of winning the OUAs and making it to nationals. Um, Every year at the beginning of the season, we do blatantly say like we, our collective pursuit is to win an OUA championship and a national championship. Um, And we did it this year. We just had, I think at the end of June, we had the entire 2023 to 24 class in Burridge. And we practiced, we did some testing and some lifts. And then we had a team orientation and, we did say there that we wanted to win an OUA championship. And since we're hosting nationals, we have a shot and a bid at that too. So we definitely have that, but we take it game by game. I know one week we had four games in eight days and it was insane. And I think it, it went Brock, Toronto, York, and then Western or Waterloo, something like that. So it was a super tough um, eight days. And at that point we just took it game by game and that really helped us. And the way that Nate made our system was pretty baseline. Like we didn't change anything crazy for any team. We would just change what we would block in our like blocking scheme, but defensively we kind of stayed the same. So it was easier for us to focus on like one game at a time because there wasn't too much change. It was just like a blocking scheme. Yeah. It makes so much sense when you say that just to kind of like front load everything. So then when you're playing a team, it's just like, Oh, we're going to play. I don't know if you call it like black maroon and white or whatever your defense is, but you just kind of say, we're We're doing this versus you have to do something so specific for the UFT outsides. Or it's kind of like, no, we're just going to play base plus one step this way. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It definitely was super useful because I remember the year before we would change our defense a lot and I personally would find myself in the wrong spot so many times but this year was a lot easier yeah so you're you're obviously having a great athletic career uh you're on pace to graduate in four years so I imagine your academics have figured it out so that teacher pulls you aside in grade nine and says you know this isn't going to cut in university like did you find uh you're a varsity athlete you're probably studying something that you're passionate about like have your grades figured itself out that uh high school that was just like a warning but not a big deal they did. By my grade 11 and 12 year, I got a few academic awards and that teacher did come up to me and say, wow, Sally, I'm so surprised. I was like, thank you. But um, yeah, they have settled themselves down. Yeah. 
Well, this has been awesome. It's been so great to just be a fan of your game, but to get the behind the scenes and everything that went into it. And it's, it, it's fascinating to hear like the injuries you've had, the, your mindset, the fact that you like quit volleyball for a small uh, section <laughs> there, like just a crazy thing. Obviously easy to be a big fan of yours, but I was hoping you could share uh, one more story with us. We've just made a tradition in the show that uh, volleyball is amazing and our community is great, but something odd or funny usually happens along the way. So I was hoping you could give us a laugh before we let you go. Yes, I have a story planned. Um, it was the travel day from Calgary to Mexico for the U21 team. It started off, I think, at four in the morning. We all woke up and it was pretty cold outside. We didn't get too much sleep the night before just from all the packing and running errands and stuff. And we were outside in the cold for an hour at first and our bus did not show up. So we had to first take a taxi to the airport and we almost missed our flight, but it got luckily delayed. So then we made that on time. That was the furthest roadblock. And then when we got to Mexico, um, that's when we got into our shuttle. And I think our shuttle was an hour and a half away from our resort that we were staying in. And on the ride there, <laughs> I was in the back seat with three other girls and we were kind of looking out the window. We heard a little crash sound from the bus and we were like, oh, what's that? <laughs> and we look back and we see our engine is on the road. <laughs> so then we had to slow down, go on the side of the road. And for the first 30 minutes, it was pretty funny. We were all laughing about how, oh my God, our bus doesn't have an engine, blah, 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 blah. And we heard that another bus is going to come and get us. As hour four of being in the desert came along, we were all in 30 degrees in our track suits, stuck in a metal bus because we couldn't stand on the side of the road just because we're Canadians in the middle of the Mexican desert. Um, we were all sweating. We were making makeshift curtains because our bus didn't have any, trying to like keep the heat out. Um, we were all eating all of the snacks that we had. We couldn't go to the bathroom because there was nothing around. Um, and I just remember that's where we bonded a lot. And we, you know, made a lot of inside jokes, played a lot of random games, going on our phones, doing random stuff. And then I think it was like eight o'clock at night when the sun was setting, we finally got a bus and we got on. And then when we made it to our hotel, we looked at our travel time and it had been 19 hours from Calgary to Mexico. I'm so happy you said that there was body to team building going on because that must have been absolutely painful. Uh, and like you said, what do you do in that time? Because you can't go outside. You're told tourists in like a, a different country in the desert. Yeah. So like, man, what a, what a time to like pass the time. It's not like you could watch movies. Like you're just like literally stranded and you don't know how long it's going to take, right? Yeah, it was, I was in leggings and Uggs in the middle of the desert in 30 degrees. I was sweating and we all felt so gross but we're cramped in a bus so we were all like stuck together it was it definitely tested us yeah well i'm glad you still had a good experience and hopefully you'll represent the national team again very soon but uh that's a wild first experience and hopefully that didn't turn you off from uh, what international volleyball could be but uh thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing all that you did like i said it's an exciting career and it's an easy to be a fan and just excited to see what uh, you get up to next Thank you so much for having me.